Hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Did you know people that listen to the Dynasty Crossroads Show are 20% more likely to be happy? Probably, maybe. This and other maybe facts on the Dynasty Crossroads. Check it out. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt, and over there is Ryan. You are here for episode 584 of the show. It's week two. In fact, week two's in the books, guys. We, uh, man, we're already like two seventeenths of the way through the fantasy football season. <laughs> so it's flying by. Uh, man, it was a it was a good week for some players, but the injuries, man, the injuries seemed to mount up this week. It was it really took its toll on me watching Red Zone on Sunday. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit of that. We're going to talk a lot about rookies once again in this episode, because after all, we are a Dynasty podcast and rookies are what we love. And then uh, we're going to jump in the Dynasty DeLorean as well and talk about some Jekyll and Hyde players that have been up and down here through two weeks. But before we do that, we need to bring in the fellas. Matt, what's up, dude? Man, it was such a, I don't know about you guys, but I think it was a, a way more fun Sunday than week one. We saw you know, some players that disappointed a week win come back and have big performances in week two. We saw the continuation of dominance of new players. You know, we say that, you know, one week can be an anomaly. Two weeks could be directional. Three weeks is a trend. So hopefully next week we get some trends so we can really dig into what's going on for this 2023 season. Yeah, I think some trends are starting to form in some offenses, particularly, and I guess on the defensive side of the ball as well. I noticed the same thing. I, I was I was more in tune or, or into, I guess, the action on the field. It felt like it was a little more high flying. The offenses got took a step forward, where the defenses uh, not necessarily took a step back, but certainly uh, saw some more scoring. Ryan, especially, and it it really started on Thursday with a pretty entertaining football game, Philadelphia and Minnesota. And then it carried on into Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we kind of needed it. I think uh, we sat here a week ago and we're certainly excited to have, uh, to have real football back. And, uh, but at the same time, it was, it was, it was kind of a bummer of a week and uh, Matt's totally right. Lots of exciting games, multiple overtime games in week two. Um, and of course, tons of big performances. And while, I mean, while we hate to see the injuries, especially those serious injuries, that's also a huge part of dynasty reacting to those injuries, the changing player value, uh, a backup player suddenly becoming um, a, a potential fantasy starter. All of those things are, are part of the game. And, and we kind of had it all uh, this week. Yeah. You mentioned the overtime games. We also had a Hail Mary a couple of big comebacks that uh, that really flip flop dynasty uh, finishes, you know, matchups throughout the week as well. As I said, we're talking rookies, and we're going to start that off with the startup. But first, I have to mention that this episode of the DLF Dynasty broadcast or podcast is brought to you by League Tycoon. We've been talking about League Tycoon for a while, and if you play in a contract dynasty league or have ever thought about joining a contract league, but were worried that it would be too much work. 
then you want to check out League Tycoon. They take they take care of everything for you. League Tycoon has perfected a platform for fantasy football, salary cap, and contract leagues. These leagues are super easy to set up, and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. Honestly, I, I run a bunch of salary cap leagues, and it was just a few clicks, and we had our League Tycoon uh, league set up. They also have a mobile app, which makes managing your team and really the league so easy. In fact, their mobile app may be the best fantasy league mobile app in the industry. It's uh, feature-rich, easy to navigate, and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience. I absolutely love getting notifications from guys in the league that are on the chat or making making moves in the league. Uh, getting those on your phone is great. So go to leaguetycoon.com. Uh, to get more information and download the app. And if you use the promo code DLF when creating a league, your first year is absolutely free. Let's get to the show, guys. The Startup. Yeah, we need to start off with one of those rookies. It is Puka Nakua, who is breaking records. He is... He, he's got to be the wide receiver. He hasn't scored a touchdown and he's, he's a wide receiver one right now. Cause he's piled up 25 receptions. He goes 15 for 147 on 20 targets on Sunday. Also had two carries for four yards. This to follow up a 10 for 119 on 15 targets against Seattle in week one. It's, it's wild what Puka Nakua is doing. And, and guys, we're self-proclaimed Puka Nakua fans. We've been, We've been kind of pounding the tables for months, going back all the way to the NFL draft, that he was a bargain in the third round. Sometimes we were getting him in the fourth round of rookie drafts, getting him for almost free in rookie auctions. And now he's, after being a fifth round pick, he hauls in 25 passes, breaking the record by 49ers wide receiver Earl Cooper back in 1980 for most catches in the first two weeks of their career. Nakua is, he flew under the radar throughout the draft process. We liked him because of his moxie and his his on-field demeanor in college and how that might translate to the NFL. But then he got this great landing spot. And guys, I, I know a lot of people out there in the fantasy industry right now are talking about how he's playing the Cooper Cup role and he's catching all the Cooper Cup balls. But I watched week one closely, guys. And then I watched week two closely as well against the 49ers. And I actually think he's playing more of that old Robert Woods role. Yeah. Where he's that Absolutely. move guy on the edge. And he's catching those short to intermediate balls using that, that like, like his awareness in the middle of the field to find that opening and catch the ball. It's, it's not Cooper Cup that we're watching. He had, he had, I don't have the updated snap numbers yet for this week, but last week it was 74% of the routes on the outside. So when Cooper Cup comes back, he resumes that normal slot role that he's been so dominant at. I think he and Puka can absolutely coexist. So this is, I mean, I, I would not, I don't know about you guys, but I would not have guessed double digit tar, uh, targets and catches uh, again in week two. But here we are. And I mean, when, what when Cooper Cup comes back, is he still getting ten targets with with Cup getting twenty, you know, fifteen, something like that? So uh, 
yeah, this, this, you're right, Dan, you, you watch him out there. He's playing on the outside more than he is in the slot. And, and really he can play anywhere. He's getting snaps from the, out of the backfield. Uh, so he's just so versatile and with cup cups versatility on top of that, this offense is going to be so much fun to watch when both of them are on the field. Well, we saw Matthew Stafford throw it 55 times on Sunday. They were playing from behind for much of that second half. And what, what, what you noticed is that he was spreading the ball around. Tutu Atwell, who was playing an outside role as well, seven catches. He had nine targets. They had a lot of dump-offs to Kyron Williams in this game. Um, Van Jefferson, on the other hand, just four targets. Didn't look good on any of those targets. A couple drops mixed in there. It really does feel like Van Jefferson is the one that's going to fade away onto the sideline when Cooper Cup does return. The talk all week is going to be, are you supposed to sell high on Puka Nakua right now? Should you do that, whether it's a redraft or a dynasty league? And man, I, I just see this role not not necessarily staying the same, but certainly we're gonna we're gonna get seventy percent of this role even with Cooper Cup on the field, which is no guarantee at this point. The role so far has has been obviously ridiculous. You mentioned the records that he's broken already through these two games. Uh, and Dan, I think you called him a wide receiver one. He's not just a wide receiver one. He is the wide receiver one. Uh, without scoring a touchdown. Without scoring a touchdown. 52 PPR fantasy points so far. Uh, he has 35 targets. The next uh, closest wide receiver is Justin Jefferson with 25 hmm. targets. Uh, he is the only... Uh, wide receiver in the league with more than 20 receptions. Uh, Jefferson uh, does have 20. So, I mean, it, it really is, it's, it's like a Cinderella story, but the Rams have done this before, right? I mean, they've done it specifically with Cooper cup uh, who was, uh, he was the day two pick. So didn't, didn't fall quite as far as Nakua did, but uh, Matt Stafford and, and Sean McVay have turned these mid round wide receivers into superstars and, um, we're, I'm not ready to call Puka Nakua a superstar yet, but he's obviously been, he's been the most Im impressive player from a dynasty fantasy standpoint so far through these two weeks. And whether you have him on your team or you want to get him on your team, you've got to figure out what his current value really is. Uh, so, you know, whether you're, uh, whether you can sell high or or whether you're paying too much. Yeah, so let's have that conversation because the, the only player that I really think back to in recent memory or semi-recent memory for this kind of breakout from an unexpected player is Anquan Bolden. And that, yeah. that was geez, 15 years ago when, when Marcus Colston had that massive game. Marcus Colston, um, another one that's a good good call, Matt. These kind of players, these are the conversations we have with, with these kind of players. And those guys went on to very productive careers and really even starred to almost superstar fantasy careers um, at times in their career. We, get, we have to decide if Nakua is on that same trajectory, if we should expect that kind of production moving forward. So if you're holding Puka Nakua, Ryan, and you have a, a third round pick invested into this guy to get him on your roster a few months back, People are knocking on your door. What's the what's the starting point for you to even consider trading him off of your team? We've, I mean, we've got to be talking about a first round pick at this point. Absolutely, um, I think plus, right? There has to be something on top of that. If it's just a random first, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I saw a lot of discussion. We all saw a lot of discussion about this player following week one, and um, 
a second round pick seemed to be kind of the going rate that that was where that was the, the middle ground of uh, those teams that had invested a third, fourth round pick, you were still making a profit. Uh, other, other teams were willing to pay that price, take a chance for the, uh, for the cost of a future second. But yeah, after, after two weeks, the price has gone up certainly. And, and right. I, I think, I think the first round pick is the starting point. Uh, I know as we were prepping for the show, we, we always like to use the uh, DLF trade finder and, and we like to talk ADP and we can look at those things, but, um, those are those are essentially irrelevant now because yeah. uh, after after two weeks of this high level production, um, trades that were made even three or four days ago are uh, are outdated now. Uh, ADP that we collected three or you know three weeks ago is certainly outdated. Uh, we can look at that as as a starting point and and try to decide where Nakua really belongs. But um, yeah, we're talking about a first round pick and more likely a first round pick plus. I've got some trades uh, pulled up here, uh, but like you said, they're irrelevant. Uh, the one from yesterday was a second and third round pick. Uh, also Damian Pierce straight up. Uh, and then I don't, even, I don't even want to talk about some of the ones on, on this list because they're just probably too depressing for the managers who made those well, deals. But I mean, yeah. Damian Pierce straight up, two days ago is, is pretty aggressive. Like that was a great move. Well, I mentioned ADP going back to our September ADP. And again, this is two to three weeks old at this point. He was wide receiver 72, uh, 165 overall. And of course that sounds ridiculous now. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, I mean, to help us kind of figure out where his value is, what you should pay for him in a trade, maybe we should, look at these players and, and uh, place him now uh, based on these two games. If we jump up to wide receiver 50, that's Marvin Mims. I think we're valuing him higher than that. Uh, if we jump to wide receiver 40, that's Deandre Hopkins based solely on age. We're valuing him yeah. higher than that. So now we're getting into that low end wide receiver three range where we see guys like Traylon Burks, Quentin Johnston, uh, and maybe well, Johnston is, name a, I was thinking is a good player to compare him to. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a fellow yeah. rookie, um, maybe, maybe a, a good starting point. And obviously Johnston was a top six or seven pick in rookie drafts. Uh, and as we've talked about so much, uh, Nakua was a third or fourth rounder, but you, you've got to be willing to, um, to synthesize in dynasty to take that new, information and to change how you value these players. If you're stuck in uh, what their ADP was, what their rookie draft slot was, you're, you're already losing. Yeah. You're falling behind at that point. And I I was looking at that ADP Ryan and I decided that if it wasn't going to be Johnston and clearly he's worth more, you have to move up to the wide risk, the rookie wide receivers ahead of him. That's Zay flowers at wide receiver 25 and Jordan Addison at wide receiver 21. And those two names seem to be a more realistic value if you are out there shopping of what you're going to have to pay. Yeah. I was going to say like right around that wide receiver 24 to 26 range. And even like you could make an argument, I think above Iuke at wide receiver 22. So it's uh, yeah, it's if you, <laughs> it's, if you pull up the trade finder this week and find player for player trades, 
I don't think you will find any of the names that we listed there. I think they're going to be higher than that. I, I think you're Cup going to see names in the in the Debo Samuel, maybe even like Devontae, Drake London range for, for him Co- coming up soon. Cooper Cup is wide receiver 18. <laughs> is Cooper Cup really good? Let's let's is he actually good or is he a product of hey, Ryan? This isn't Twitter. We're not we're not having we're not is, doing is he Twitter created by yet. Matthew Stafford? <laughs> you know, there's a few other things we need to talk. I think we we painted a pretty clear picture of what Nakua's value is right now. I think it's probably fair to say also that the Rams have been semi surprising. That win in week one, that was a surprise. They outplayed Seattle. For at least two and a half quarters, they played with or, or maybe even outplayed San Francisco, who we all think is one of the top two teams in the NFC, maybe even the league. And now they they make the move in the backfield on Sunday morning. Cam Akers is out again, <laughs> trying to trade him again. Kyron Williams earned that starting role and looked really good in it again on Sunday. In fact, he runs as hard as, as most any back in the NFL at this point, four touchdowns through two games. Um, Tutu Outwell, I mentioned his stat line. Matthew Stafford turned back the clock on his career. He looks sharp and like laser focused as a leader once again, which wasn't necessarily the case even before the injury a year ago. So just everything happening there, Ryan, in Los Angeles with that offense, it feels like the arrow is pointing back up, which is a big surprise. It's really impressive. I I mean, I think it was on this show just prior to the season kicking off. I talked about how bad this team was going to be and uh, that they could be looking at a top, uh, a top draft pick in 2024. And I mean, again, we're two weeks in they're one and one. So there's plenty of time for things to happen, but they have certainly looked way better than, uh, than I expected than most people expected. Um, and a, a little bit of it, I think, is kind of this youth movement uh, with with Nakua, with Atwell, with Kyron Williams. And um, it, it, de- it definitely does make me think that Cam Akers is gone this time, uh, whether it's a, a trade or they just cut him. Um, you know, we don't know what happens in the locker room, but he is he is clearly not uh, not a good fit for that team. Um, and it's, it's kind of a good vibes team and he's not a good vibes kind of guy right now. So he, he's going to be gone, uh, regardless, I think. And, um, yeah, this, this, this is a team that you want to invest in all of a sudden, once again, with that all said, there are problems along that offensive line. They haven't properly replaced some of the players that have left in free agent three agency and through retirement over the last year and a half. And that defense has more holes in it than than most defense out there. They're really outplaying their talent level at this point. So you know the the expectation is is was bad things coming into the season. They've outplayed their talent level. I think they got Cincinnati coming up on Monday night in week three, followed up by Indianapolis and then the Eagles. So a tough start to their schedule. We'll see how things play out. Moving forward, we got a handful of other rookies we wanted to get to outside of Puka Nakua, so let's get to that. It's time for the Rookie Report. We're not going to get to the Rookie Report every week on the podcast, but we probably will most weeks because that's what everybody wants to talk about here. Uh, and we're going to start with some guys who, who once again, put out big performances in week two. 
And you got to start under center, Matt, with Anthony Richardson. He was dynamic as a runner in, what, a quarter and a half? Uh, Three carries for 35 yards and two nice touchdowns runs. Also threw for 56 yards before leaving on that second touchdown run with a head injury. We'll see how how that's going to play out throughout the week. The, the narrative last week, Matt, was Anthony Richardson needs to learn how to, how to get down, how to not take so many hits. And he took a couple again in limited playing action, so, or limited playing time. There's a, there's a real concern right now. We've had multiple injuries through, what, five and a half quarters. I love what we see from Anthony Richardson outside of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I I understand that the best they say the best ability is availability, whatever that saying is. Um, but I, I just, I mean, he's not going to be the same player if you take that out of him. And I'm willing to ride those uh, those injuries. You know, we 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 we've seen they've obviously uh, tailored the passing offense to him, which they should do. But he's through for sixty percent completion percentage this week. Uh, obviously, unlimited attempts, only ten attempts this week, but sixty five percent last week. So he's shown up as a passer in the offense that they've built for him. So the injuries are definitely a concern. But like you're, I mean, do you, do you not want to see Anthony Richardson out there trucking safeties? I, I don't. I don't mind it honestly. Hmm. I, I mind it. I cringe <laughs> regularly with him. And, and I actually cringe more than even like say Lamar or Jalen hurts when they take hits. It's and different. I think, yeah. I think it's a little bit different and it's just that he's so big and he hits the ground so hard. And that, that head injury was, that's what happened. He hit his head on the turf and, and it was, he kind of left himself vulnerable to that. He didn't run through that because he knew he scored kind of, it felt like to me. So, I, I, Ryan, does this this information, this brand new information with the injury, does that affect how you value him in the long term at all? I, I think it definitely has to factor in um, as far as moving him up or down. Honestly, I think it's a pretty easy decision right now. We talked about it a little bit last week. I want him over Justin Fields. Um, and, and Dan, I know, I know you were you were on board with that last week. Oh, well, I'm, I'm looking at our ADP, which which has Fields at eight and Richardson at nine. Uh, so I, I want Richardson over Fields, but I'm not willing to go any higher than that. So you've got, um, you know, you've got the top seven: Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Lamar, Burrow, Herbert, and Lawrence. I'm not moving him ahead of any of those guys. If we hadn't seen any of these injuries through these first two games, I probably still wouldn't be moving him uh, higher than those guys. So. Essentially, right now, it's not changing anything, but obviously, it it could, and we could uh, end up pushing him uh, pushing him down because of these injury concerns. I, I mean, we we compare him to Cam Newton, and I think he plays like Cam Newton. He he invites that contact. He he, uh, you know, he starts that contact sometimes. But Cam Newton played ten. 12 years ago, right? And and when he came into the league, we pretty much hadn't seen anything like him from at the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, now obviously quarterbacks run more and more. I mean, defenders are ready for that. And I think, I think, I think he's taking worse hits than Cam Newton probably ever did uh, because, because the defense is more ready for those quarterback runs. Ryan, I completely agree with you about where to value him right now. You laid that out perfectly, actually. 
I I Is have he... to disagree with you completely though that that the inj- if the injuries hadn't happened you'd still rank him where he is. I, you know that that injury in week 1 cost him an opportunity at the goal line where I am convinced he gets a rushing touchdown there especially after hap- seeing what happened on Sunday in week 2. So yeah. you know that's 7 8 points more that he would have scored <clears throat> excuse me a week ago. Then in week 2 he plays into the second quarter and is going to finish as a top, what, 12, top 15 quarterback. I haven't looked at the finishes uh, with after only playing uh, not even a half a game. So if we compound a second half on top of that, of this kind of production, and he scores in the top five at the position, I think dynasty managers right now are sitting here saying he's a top five quarterback. We need to consider him in the elite tier of quarterbacks already. So I, I, I think this, these injuries, or the injury concerns at least, are dramatically affecting how many of us as dynasty rankers might be valuing Richardson. How do you weigh in, Matt? I, I, like I said, I don't, it doesn't really affect it for me because I'm a, I mean, I'm more of a ceiling player and the ceiling with him is, is pretty clear to me at this point. So I think you use him when he's available and when he's not, it sucks, but you know, hopefully you have at, at least one other quarterback on your roster, especially in the Superflex league. Hopefully you have at least two more. So, you know, obviously you're not going to get the same kind of production when Richardson is out of your lineup, but you're not going to get a zero. Right. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really moving. I'm not moving him down based on this. It would be nice to see if he knows how to slide. I haven't, we have, I don't know if we've seen if he has that mm. ability yet. Yeah. Um, you know, at least in some instances, right? Like he doesn't have to run over the defender every single time. So you definitely want to see him add that to the repertoire. But in terms of dynasty rankings, I'm personally not moving him down at all. He's the, he's the quarterback eight. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't really see anyone else eclipsing him from that unless he just misses significant time. Then obviously so, we have another conversation. So you agree with me. You're not bumping him a- ahead of any of those. Seven. Oh no, no, no. I mean, Burrow bounced back a little bit. He's a little bit scary right now, but in long, but you know, long-term he's going to be fine, obviously. And he's not going to go above Lawrence. And then if he's not going above those two, uh, he's not going to get into that top five. So yeah, I agree I mean, with you there. Dan, I think you're right. I mean, we're seeing it. You know, we're seeing it with Puka Nakua. We're seeing it with everybody that's off to a big start that they're suddenly a, a top 10 wide receiver, a top five quarterback, whatever. Like, I do agree that if he hadn't had these injuries, if he hadn't left the, the week two game, we would be hearing some of that. He's a top five. He's a top three quarterback. But, I mean, there can only be three top three quarterbacks. We played this game with, with Jalen Hurts, and I think we were all – we were all willing to admit that Jalen hurts was going to continue to gain value. But just at that point, we, we couldn't put him ahead of Herbert and burrow and Lamar until he consistently showed that, that he deserved to be there. So I, I, I kind of stand by that. Even if Richardson had played these two full games, I think he would still be quarterback eight for me. The the toughest part of it. The toughest part of it is that the oldest one amongst that group is Mahomes, and he's only 28. Right. And you go down to Lawrence, who's 23. So like the, just well, as long tough. as these guys, it's a good thing. Well, I mean, I mean it's Richardson's tough for anybody to break best... into it is what I'm saying. Yeah. That, and that's fine. Like if Richardson's yeah. the eighth best dynasty quarterback right now, we're, this is, this is great news for us. It's a conversation we're going to continue to have throughout the season. Two weeks and two injury scares is not a good start, however, and I can completely 
understand if dynasty managers out there, particularly in super flex leagues are leery and considering other options because of the start to his career injury wise. Let's move on to another big performance from a rookie. And and maybe this one was tempered slightly, but it's Sam Laporta, the tight end for the Detroit Lions, Matt. He goes five for 63 on six targets against Seattle in week two. Clear his second option in the passing game behind Amon Ra, St. Brown, I guess with the exception of maybe Josh Reynolds, who went five for 66 and caught two touchdowns. Uh, I'm wondering with... With Laporta, how highly should we be ranking him in our dynasty rankings among tight ends? Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't updated him yet, but I'm gonna. I mean, the top, the top three are not going to change for me. Say whatever you want about Ty, Kyle Pitts. T.J. Hawkinson has come in and and been fine in in week two. After that, you know, you have Kittle who's underperformed a little bit. You have Goddard who's underperformed a little bit. You have Waller who had a good game today. And then you get into the other rookie, Dalton Kincaid and, and Pat Fryermove. So to me, he's right in that. If you want to rank him anywhere from five to 10, I'm totally fine with that. I have him at 11 right now, but I need to update that ranking. I'm going to guess that he's going to move to tight end seven or eight. And right now I have Waller at, at seven and Kincaid at eight. So somewhere in that range. Difficult to rank Darren Waller, who's 31 years old, yeah. Ryan, and has his own injury history over a guy like Laporta. And you could even spread that down to down to Dalton Kincaid and maybe even maybe even Luke Musgrave. He didn't have the biggest game on Sunday, but you can see the flashes with him as well. Laporta, though, looks to be on another level compared to the rest of the rookie crop at tight end. Yeah, totally agree. And dynasty players were already valuing specifically these three rookie tight ends highly uh current adp which is again a couple weeks old tight end eight was dalton kincaid laporta tight end 11 musgrave tight end 13 we could even throw michael mayer at tight end 14 although he's off to a slow start um and then when you you see guys like ingram and Fryermuth, uh and waller goddard and kittle the names that that uh matt mentioned there I, I mean, my theory is always if they're going if they're scoring about the same number of points currently, then I want the younger guy. And, and that's what we're yep. seeing. Um, and I, honestly, I think that's what we'll continue to see. We're, we're going to have those big games from Waller and Goddard and Kittle, obviously. But uh, if you tell me that uh, that Laporta's the tight end five and and even Kincaid is the tight end six, uh, even though he's kind of off to a slow start as well, I would have no argument with that at all. I completely agree. He he belongs in the conversation. He's a guy we're starting every single week, and I th- I think you're right. We're we're starting really really all these guys at this point because we're we're just we're desperate for that new crop of tight ends to to become those new tight end ones. Uh, speaking of desperate, the Packers were desperate for some wide receivers on Sunday. They had Jaden Reed and rookie Dontavian Wicks. Reed goes four for 37 and two scores, Matt, on eight targets against Atlanta, while Wicks, he catches two of his four targets for 40 yards and a nice run after the catch uh, for a score as well. Reed comes in at wide receiver 54 in our ADP. Wicks is buried way below that. In fact, he's he might be, even be a free agent in your dynasty league out there. So these guys uh, got opportunities because of a banged up receiving core for the Packers. 
Reed looks like he has a very defined role in the slot, though, for the Packers. And it it feels to me like he and Jordan Love has a, have a connection that could last. Yeah, Reed is just so versatile. He 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 really can play from anywhere. He showed off the speed on that uh, touchdown on the on the right side of the field. Uh, he's just yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's just he can play all he can play anywhere, right? I, that's why I said in our in our whatever you want to call it our flag plant show whatever it was I said I think he's going to lead the Packers in receptions. That's why because of that versatility. And it, I, I didn't you know think about the injuries to Watson and 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 the little bit of health uh, issues that Dubs is going through, but he just profiles as that guy. He doesn't offer the size and speed combination that Watson does or or certainly the size that the Dontavious Wicks has. Um, but he does everything else well as a wide receiver. And I think if Love is going to be successful this season, he's going to need to target him when he's not targeting Christian Watson. What was nice is that Reed got those creative looks. They were they were yeah. scheming up looks to get yeah. read the football. Uh, we used to call those gadgety pass. players, right? Yeah, we, we used to, but he's not playing anymore. outside of that as well. He's not yeah. just a gadgety player. He's not, not only getting that tap pass or the end around the jet motions. He's also the guy that they run on the fly route and and they run on that hitch and go route. And we've seen that in it through two weeks already. In fact, it feels like. Love is looking to him when he breaks contain as well. So those are all little things that I think are are compiling to Jaden Reed slowly becoming more and more entrenched in a regular role in this offense. The question is, once Watson's back, Ryan, and once Dobbs is at full health, you could make a case that he's been limited slightly uh, through two weeks despite his good performance in week one. Are we still believing that Jaden Reed is going to be a guy that we can start week in and week out? Well, I was hoping you guys as Packers fans would really (laughs) answer that, but um, I'm going to kind of toe the line there. I don't know. I don't know. Even after his performance Sunday, a couple touchdowns, I don't know that I'm looking at Reed as a guy we can start on a weekly basis, uh, even as, you know, as that wide receiver three or flex guy, but he certainly has shown me that, um, that I'm glad I invested some, some second round picks into him. I'm glad I have him on my roster. And, and I think he certainly has a long-term role for this, this Packers team. Uh, even when Watson, uh, is, is back and fully healthy. I do think this, uh, this rookie love, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to see from the Packers after the uh, Aaron Rodgers era, because uh, we, we know how he felt about rookies in general. Uh, but, but the rookie playing time, the rookie impact early on this season, I think that is, that is bad news for Romeo Dobbs. I, uh, hmm. I think, honestly, I think these guys read specifically uh, is or, or just, just a better player than Dobbs. Um, and I totally agree with Matt that, uh, we could be looking at a guy who leads the team in uh, receptions or at least in targets. Watson's going to change the dynamic of this receiver core. Yep. And while we mentioned Wicks here, Dontavian Wicks, who was a late round draft pick and probably worthy of a pickup if you got a roster spot, got a guy that's on IR that you need to cut. Um, but Watson's close to returning and we won't know exactly how these guys will play and what role they'll be in until we see Watson stretching the field and him potentially getting some of those schemed up looks that we talked about with Reed. Let's go to one of your guys, Matt. 
down in Houston, Tank Dell. He fun. caught a touchdown. They took it away, and a couple plays later, he said, I'll just catch another one to make up for it. Seven catches, <laughs> 72 yards, and a score on 10 targets in week two against the Colts. He led the team in targets, tied Nico Collins for the lead in receptions, and uh, really looked like a playmaker out there, which is something that you were banging the table about all preseason. I'm telling you, he was first in receiving touchdowns with 17 in 2023 in college football. He had 1,400 yards. I just he he can run all the routes. He's scoring on in the short areas of the field. Like he he's really good, you guys. And if you can, I I think you guys said don't buy him for a second a couple of weeks ago. Are you still are you are you, are you sticking to that? Are you still not paying a second for Tank Dell right now? Nah, I'm not. Wow. Okay. Nah, I don't I don't need him. He's going to lead that team in receptions this year. That team stinks, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, it's fine. Like, is he worth a second now? Maybe he's worth a late second. I mean, I'll, I'll, always my thought on questions like that is, I think I, I can get somebody I like better for a second. If I'm shopping a second-round pick, I can get somebody I like better than Tank Dell. In in general, big picture, in a vacuum, is he worth a second? Maybe. Probably. I can see why people are excited about it and, and yeah. like the route participation and the role that he was playing, and particularly in week two. But I, I tend to be on the same side of things where I, I don't – I'm not in a hurry to invest in the Texans' offense and especially their passing game, although Stroud has shown some signs already – including on Sunday going for 384 yards and a couple scores without throwing a pick. He has to throw it a lot. And that could could mean that some of these receivers are going to catch six, seven, eight balls, which is what happened for Dell, Robert Woods, and Nico Collins on Sunday. A couple disappointments so far, or maybe not disappointments, but slow starts among the rookies that we should touch on here. Matt, Zach Charbonnet. Four carries for 16 yards, caught a couple passes as well uh, versus Detroit. It is clear that he is only a backup in Seattle early on. And and it's just so frustrating. I know, I know that eventually Kenneth Walker had a good day with his two touchdowns and 43 yards and 17 carries. But on the, <laughs> that first goal line, look, I mean, it was, he wasn't efficient and that was the knock against them last year, right? The reason why they drafted Zach Charbonnet because he has this boom bust mentality and he loses a lot of yards behind the scrimmage. He, he was stuffed on two goal line attempts. He finally got in on the third one when there was just a lane that he had to walk through. So he's fine, but I just don't think he's significantly better than Charbonnet. And I don't think he's three times the workload better than Zach Charbonnet. So it's a, it's frustrating situation, but it seems like this is going to be the way I don't, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a 50 50 split here through at least through two weeks. So unless we're, we're seeing an an injury to Walker, I mean, this is what it's going to be for, for uh, Charbonnet, I think most of the season. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, this time last year, we would have said some of those same or had some of those same concerns about Walker, who was not seeing yeah. the field early. But you're right. It did take an injury to Rashad Penny for mm-hmm. Walker to get onto the field. Um, I don't know. I mean, we spent a lot of time since since the NFL draft debating uh, Walker versus Charbonnet and what does this pick mean? And uh, ultimately, if if this is how they're going to 
to use these guys, it's just, it's just a reminder that that was a really bad pick because one of the themes of the off season was the depressed running back market, whether you're talking about the NFL draft or free agency. And if they were just looking for a, a good backup, they could have done, they could have found that player in, you know, it's such a, a less cost, whether it's a free agent signing or, or, you know, honestly, even just keeping Rashad Penny. Um, I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, they should have spent that pick on a offensive lineman, right? <laughs> Cause they lost their two from last year already. So it was clearly a bad pick. I completely disagree. I I'm, I'm fine with him landing in Seattle. I'm fine with his workload to this point. In fact, I hope he gets the same workload for a couple more weeks and more dynasty managers are are so frustrated that they're willing to sell him because we haven't seen the true colors of Zach Charbonnet yet. He hasn't gotten the opportunity and that is going to happen guys. Think back to the preseason a year ago when, when he could not get on the field and you know, Seattle was was going with anybody except Walker in that backfield. And it took multiple injuries and Walker got hurt again. And then this past preseason, Walker was banged up all preseason. And he's getting his opportunity now. But Walker will miss time and miss games, I, I would assume. Most running backs get hurt. And we will see the real Zach Charbonnet. And then after that, that is when we'll, we'll see how Seattle chooses to use these guys. And I still believe that Charbonnet will get those goal line opportunities and he'll be the more valuable running back. So I'm out there. I'm out there trying to buy right now. Uh, If you can get them for, for any kind of discount, uh, go ahead and go get, go get them because when, when the fantasy playoffs come around, Charbonnet is going to be the one in your lineup scoring you points. The other disappointment out there, or at least slow start Ryan is Quentin Johnston. Just one catch on two targets against Tennessee for seven yards clearly behind that trio of wide receivers for the Chargers. That Chargers offense is is not quite up to full speed just yet, and there isn't any room for Quentin Johnston to make an impact. No, there's really not. Um, you know, thinking back to rookie draft season back in the in the spring and early summer, there was a lot of talk that this would be a redshirt year a little bit for Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he would be playing behind Lockett and, and, and Mike Williams, I'm sorry, Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf. And um, there, those same things weren't necessarily said about Quentin Johnston. And, and now I'm wondering why, of course, we heard lots of concerns about drops and route running for, for Johnston. Some, some of the basics, honestly, that, uh, that a wide receiver should have. So uh, I'm a little bit worried. I, I totally agree with you on buying Charbonnet. I'm not really buying Quentin Johnston right now, not even at those discounts. Yeah, I don't know if those discounts are coming, but I'll I'll let those slide by as well. We got to get to the DeLorean. It's uh it's fired up and ready for us, guys. Let's hop in the Dynasty DeLorean. Where we're going, we don't need ADP. <sighs> guys, I don't know if ADP matters. Uh even even where we just came from in present time, <laughs> uh, because it gets shaken up every Sunday, every Thursday, and every Monday night. Let's let's talk about some players that have. I, I mentioned it as Jekyll and Hyde. Those first two weeks have been up and down, and it started with that Thursday night performance from DeAndre Swift. We all know about Week One, just two touches in the game, uh, goose egg for the most part for dynasty managers. 
Then a bunch of dynasty managers put him on the bench, 31 touches, 78% of the running back rush share, 28 carries for 175 and a score caught three passes as well and is finishing as an RB1. Who's the real uh, DeAndre Swift, man? I mean, it's closer to the week two guy, I think, as long as Gainwell isn't out. But he's but the the real I think the real thing you have to look at here outside of the dominant rush share is all of that work on the ground, which is not something that we valued DeAndre Swift for. We wanted DeAndre Swift for his pass catching ability, for that dynamic ability that he has to create yards for himself and space. And he came out and showed he was an efficient running back. There was that drive in the, I think it was late in the third, fourth quarter, where they ran the ball, what was 15 times in a row, something like that with Swift. And he just picked up yards every single time. So that's something I don't think we're going to see every single week, especially when Gainwell is healthy. Um, but I think he's a lot closer to that than he was the the week one uh, goose egg, like you mentioned. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what's going on in Philadelphia, but I'm I'm not I'm not feeling good about it. I don't I don't want I don't want to have a big investment in any of those guys. It's clear that the Eagles do not trust Rashad Penny. They were they were doing anything they could not to give him the ball. They only put him on the field because uh, there was a concussion. Breather. Well, uh, I think Rashad Penny had like a shoe injury or a shoe issue or something. They were messing with his (laughs) pads or something. They took him off the field and Boston Scott had a concussion. So they don't want to play Rashad Penny. They're going to have to at some point because this is a it's still a mess. Everybody's happy about DeAndre Swift. You're happy if you had him in your lineup, but don't be surprised if he gooses again. If we're in the DeLorean, I'm saying there's more of week one than there is a week two, Ryan. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I would I would certainly be selling DeAndre Swift this week if if I had the chance. Um, I mean, this was this was a career game for DeAndre Swift, and and he's been around the league for a while. So, um, do I expect these types of games to continue? No, not really. Um, he is he is in a better offense now than uh, he ever really was with Detroit. That didn't seem like they really got going until they. Um, you know, lessened his role, uh, with the lions. So yeah, this, this is not a guy I trust. And, uh, we haven't even talked about the potential injury issue and, and he's got a lengthy history there. Swift has, has had plenty of those games kind of like week one over the last couple of years in Detroit. I, I tend to think it's more like that. How about DJ Moore, Ryan? Week one, disappointing. Two catches for 25 yards. Week two though, seven targets, six catches over a hundred yards and a 25% target share. DJ Moore is attached to a quarterback that struggles to throw the ball accurately, but got it to him a few times down the field on Sunday. Yeah, I think what we saw in week two, uh, despite the overall struggles of, of the Chicago offense, I think what we saw in week two is is kind of more what we can expect for DJ Moore. He should, he should lead this team in targets, uh, really lead this team in all receiving numbers. Um, so I, I expect week. him... Yeah. Right. I expect him in, in a typical week to continue to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think what we saw in week two is is the real DJ Moore. He actually he actually threw it with a little anticipation to DJ Moore on that deep end. And it turned into like a 27 yard gain. I was like, whoa, there it is. That's that's the play that Bears fans have been looking for. So maybe a step forward for the quarterback there in Chicago fields. How about Jacksonville receiver Christian Kirk? Just three targets, Matt, in week one. One catch for nine yards. Again, 
lots of dynasty managers didn't click the box next to his name and he goes 14 targets 34 percent target share 11 catches for 110 yards fringe wide receiver one numbers for the week and didn't even score a touchdown matt is is christian the real christian kirk the week one version or the week two version well, we heard that, you know, we heard throughout the week, the squeaky wheel argument that they were upset that Kirk wasn't getting the, or Kirk was upset that he wasn't getting the targets and that they were going to feed him again in, in week two. And then we saw the argument that, well, you know, it depends if we're playing a, a team that plays primarily man coverage or, or zone coverage. Yeah. And we're playing the Chiefs who play man this week. So Kirk's going to get a lot more, lot more targets. And he did. Uh, and, and if that's the case, if that's how they're going to play us, we're going to have to pay attention to what defense they're playing every single week. You know, we need more data points on this, but he was putting up these numbers last season without Ridley. Obviously, Ridley is there, and uh, Ridley took a backseat this week. So these two are probably going to ping pong off of each other. But I think, given you know seven to ten targets a week, we're going to see closer to these numbers than definitely more than we would uh, what we saw in week one. Yeah, I agree with that. And and you mentioned Ridley there. He might have taken a backseat on production, but he didn't take it. A- Backseat when it came came to how he was used, his usage was great. Still got eight targets, almost 20% of the target share. Turned into just two catches for 32 yards, but there were end zone targets. There were downfield targets. In fact, he came up with a couple of those. Didn't drag the foot on one. I think another one got called back because of uh, a penalty, Ryan. So lots of dynasty managers are wondering right now, who's the real Calvin Ridley? Is it week one or is it week two? I, I think it's it's probably closer to week one. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Kansas uh, Kansas City was clearly um, had a game plan to to stop Ridley. I mean, they were knocking him off off the routes. I mean, they were they were banging him around, and and they were not going to make things easy for Calvin Ridley in in, in this Jags offense. Um, yeah, I, I think Ridley's still the guy to have here. Pretty clearly, Kirk. Fast forward to the end of this season, and this is this is probably going to be. Uh, Christian Kirk's best game of the year. Another wide receiver to talk about here is Drake London. Just the one target in week one got goosed, but in week two, seven targets, six catches for 67 yards, had a nice touchdown reception as well around the goal line. Matt, they, they force fed Drake London early in that game. In fact, I think the first play of the game was a quick screen. Uh, Drake London, as Dan was saying, seven targets, six catches for 67 yards and a touchdown this week. Uh, led the team in targets. That's what we should do. And Ryan, we finally saw a little bit of volume this week. You know, they weren't didn't really need to pass the ball at all against the Panthers last week. But obviously the Green Bay uh, offense is a little bit more productive. So it forced them into more of a passing script. We saw Ritter with 32 attempts versus the 18 he saw last week. So in these games where Ritter's throwing the ball more, I do think that we're going to be closer to these week two performances. Yeah, I think so as well. And I mean, there's, you know, there's no doubt about the talent of Drake London. We, we all are seemingly on board. This is a young wide receiver that we want to have on our rosters, but it's just that that frustrating Falcons offense. Uh, London led the way on Sunday, and and Kyle Pitts kind of took a backseat with fewer targets and and uh, opportunities. So, I mean, this what we saw in Week Two from London six for sixty seven and the touchdown. That's that's what we should see. Maybe even maybe even better than that. But um, this this kind of feels like a ceiling. So. I don't know this. We're, we're probably in between here. Like 
he, he's not going to go uh, catchless in, in most games, but uh, he's also not going to put up 20 fantasy points most weeks either. So that said, I, it's, I don't, I don't this, this I don't, is a tough one for me. Do you have him on many teams? Because like I have him in, on several and even knowing the low volume in that offense, like it's still hard to not click that box next to his name to start him. Cause you know, the potential. I've got him on one or two teams and, and I did sit him this week um, mm-hmm. because of those concerns uh, and, and because of what we saw last week. And, and obviously I regret that that didn't, that didn't go well for me. Um, but this, it, it's going to be a tough weekly, uh, you know, decision on um, what the, what the game script is going to look like, because I think we can expect, I think we can expect the the Falcons to trail in, you know, in, in most situations, they trailed for much of um, much of the game today against or on Sunday against the Packers and, and had that, that late comeback. Um, well, yeah, next I, week we have the lions coming up. So that seems like it could be a scoring game. We have the, a, the Jaguars after that. So, I mean, I think he's startable the, probably the next two weeks. Then we get the Texans. We'll see about that. The Commanders, the Bucks, the Titans. So we might have a stretch towards the middle of the season where we see more like week one than we did this week. The last one we should talk about, guys, is T. Higgins. He, of course, goosed in week one. But in week two, came through eight catches for 89 yards and a couple of touchdowns on 12 targets. He was clearly a part of really the only part of that Cincinnati offense that was that was really worth putting in your dynasty lineup in week two. Who's the real uh, T Higgins? It really feels like it's going to be this week two version. It's definitely the week two version. I mean, this is a um, unlike, you know, unlike London, really all the players that we've talked about are either young players or or guys in new situations like Ridley and DJ Moore and Swift. T Higgins is, is the one we feel the safest about uh, at the same time, this, this Bengals offense has not looked right now through two weeks. And, uh, and Joe Burrow has aggravated his, uh, his leg injury. So mm-hmm. we're not even necessarily sure of, of his status. So I definitely, uh, definitely think that week two T Higgins is the one that we will see in, in typical games and the one that I expect, uh, but, that might change if uh, if Joe Burrow's not under center. Matt, you worried about this Cincinnati offense? You know, I, I've l- heard on a bunch of shows this past week and read some articles how the Cincinnati Bengals are typically slow starters. So maybe it's that. But I went back and looked, and I believe uh, Joe Burrow was like a mid-quarterback one in both weeks, uh, both the first and second game last year. Jamar Chase was a, was a wide receiver one through the first two weeks. I don't remember what, what, what T. Higgins was off the top of my head. But – so I don't know if this narrative about the Bengals starting slow is true or not, maybe historically, uh, but I, I just I don't think you can be bearish on this offense with those weapons on it. Maybe on the running game, uh, unless Joe, there is something, some issue with Joe Burrow and they have to lean more heavily on Mixon. Um, but I'm not I don't I don't think I'm worried about this offense yet. Since we're in the DeLorean, I got to ask, guys, Damian Pierce. I've, I've pounded the table for, for a, almost a year and a half now about this guy, and I still love his running style. That offensive line is in shambles. They were missing at least three starters, maybe a fourth one as well, again on Sunday in week two, played from behind. But so far on the season, 26 carries for 69 yards and four catches for 13 yards through two games, Ryan. 
We're in the DeLorean. It's it's the end of the season. What? Where does Damian Pierce finish among running backs? Um, I mean, I think he finishes as a low end RB two at best, right? That's just that's if he stays healthy and um gets gets the volume. Um, I, I don't know. It's a little surprising, I guess, because this Texans team was obviously bad last year, but they were content just to hand the ball to Pierce and uh, rack up rushing yards. And um, I don't think he's necessarily regressed. Maybe it's uh, the addition of uh, a more talented quarterback and, and, you know, guys like Tank Dell and, and those playmakers, or, um, you know, maybe it's as simple as the uh, struggling offensive line. But um, we've, we've had this discussion with guys like Damian Pierce before that he doesn't have the draft capital. So once they do start struggling, uh, it's it's so much easier to move off of them. Well, when they, they announced that Laramie Tunsil will be out, I thought to myself, well, I think Titus Howard got hurt as well, the right <laughs> tackle. And then uh, I think their center broke his hand. I, I can't remember his name. And, and maybe it was Kenyon Green that was that was out as well. As, and then, then their backup lineman uh, center, I believe, uh, Scott Questenberry, he tore his ACL. So <laughs> like they were on their third center. They only had one starting offensive lineman and they were on backups everywhere else. I, I don't know how you can run the ball effectively. We'll see how that shakes out. If they, if they get some help along the offensive line, maybe get a little bit of health that would go a long ways, but Damian Pierce off to a rough start. You mentioned low end RB two numbers. Um, he has, he has high end RB two potential, if he has an offensive line, I still believe, but man, it's been a one, rough start for Dan Pierce. One, one thing I didn't put together, Dan, uh, and maybe I should have is, you know, I, one of the reasons why I think I was excited about Pierce this year was the lack of Rex Burkhead. I mean, that sounds weird to be worried about Rex Burkhead, but he did siphon off a bunch of targets last season from the running back position. And with him gone and them adding Devin Singletary, like he's never been a pass cat, a pass catching profile, but you know, who does have a pass catching profile close to the line of scrimmage tank Dell. Oh man, you just got to bring it back to take Dell to finish the show. That's where we're at, huh? The the thing about Pierce is he's still getting that that workload that we were expecting uh, on Sunday. Fifteen carries for thirty one yards, but Singletary just four carries for fourteen yards in his limited work. So we'll see how that shakes out. We got a couple more games to go here in week. Uh, week two, and then we're off to week three. Got a good start to that on Thursday night. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to be here for it all season long. So for Ryan, for Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again Thank next you week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.